Hey everyone, welcome to the I Just Teach Here podcast with Jess and Sabria. This podcast, you get a snippet into the lives and thoughts of educators where we don't make the rules, we just teach here. Sabria, why don't you tell us about our episode today? So today's episode is called the five minute lesson plan. And this episode is for all of you out there with your cute little like seven page lesson plans ready to take on the world. This is for you because we were you and ladies and gentlemen, it ain't it. It's not going to happen. So we're here to share all about that. This is also for all of y'all that are teaching as well that are overwhelmed. You may just need a minute. Let me tell you, you can, you can have your students give you that minute. Okay. So that's, this is also for you. Exactly. So before we get into it, we have to kind of take it back to the beginning and Jess, why don't you share for, I guess it would be for grad school, right? Our most recent schooling. Mm -hmm. Uh, what did your lesson plans look like in grad school? They were like 900 pages long. Honestly, I was so proud of all of my lessons and I would save them for year after year for like my student teacher things. I'm a guy. I just, I literally completely forgot that I have binders of these right? lesson plans, which, which nowadays I think would be considered packets, so. but you honestly, you kept them because you were yes. like, this is made of gold yes. and I'm going to use this in my career. And it's going mm -hmm. to be flipping amazing. And mm -hmm. I have not, oh, I don't even know where it is in my dad's basement. I actually, probably. when I was leaving your classroom was when I threw out all of those lesson plans from college. That was how many years later, 10 years later. Yikes. However, they were lengthy. They had like every single material you would need your objective, your whole procedure of every single thing you would do, how you would differentiate your assessment plan, your reflection, Bro, that was literally four to five pages. Did yours look similar? Very similar. I think we even had to have um, the research to support the activities, like the what? actual articles to support with that. why we were doing what in each lesson plan. I mean, it was a straight up scientific method on like seven pages for one day of lessons. It was insane. I'm like, sometimes I'm thinking like school is fake, honestly, <laughs> like they prepared us for none of this, nothing. No. And I this think is, for anyone in school, this is what you need right here. This podcast. Exactly. This exactly. That's you have to listen. You're going to have to go through it. You're going to have to get it done and do all those long, lengthy lesson plans, but it's just not what's going to happen in the real world. So, um, super unrealistic now. Sorry. How unrealistic. <laughs> I love how you followed this to a T. How unrealistic. How unrealistic. Super unrealistic. Because let me tell you, in the real world, you get 45 minutes to prep and that's spent doing that's a lot of other things other than lesson planning. So let's get into now out of grad school, when you are in a classroom, let's start with the teacher lesson plans. How, what are you expected to include in your lesson plans? How often are you expected to provide lesson plans and how often do you actually do them? Oh my gosh. Don't, I'm not outing myself here. <laughs> um, so in, this is for an elementary school teacher, mm -hmm. 
me. Obviously, I can only speak for my own me. (laughs) I can only speak from my own experience. Um, But I teach we teach in 45 minute increments. So I teach five lessons per day. So I'm sure that that looks very different in middle school or high school, but I teach five different lessons, different subjects each day. Um, In each given lesson, I'm now thinking if a principal or an AP were if they were going to come and observe me, I would have to have a good objective. I would have to have knowledge for it. I would need to incorporate discussion, assessment, differentiation, meaning making sure I hit, you know, all the different levels of children. Do you have to include, um, because your students have IEPs, do you have to include their individual IEP goals on that lesson plan? No. All of the special ed, all, well, you have to also see that, also know that, um, when it comes to the observation portion, it's all like one standard observation. So gen ed, gen ed teachers and special ed teachers are all under one same blanket. So they can't be asking me for specific goals of kids because they can't ask that of a general ed teacher. So it's all because they don't have, they don't have exactly. Yeah. So we have to, we all fall under the blanket, which I guess in some ways is good because they can't ask me about those specific goals, but it's also bad because like, how am I, you know? Yeah, I agree. I kind of was thinking, I was like, I understand it'd be more work, but I kind of feel like it's not that great of a thing because it doesn't account uh, for yeah it doesn't keep keep teachers accountable for reminding yourselves of the goals that you're supposed to be tracking mm-hmm. essentially for the year so but yes, yeah I so for for our work. observations it's more about the academic goals that oh. the grade needs to be able to accomplish so when they're when they're coming in I think you already addressed that the specific things that are supposed to be within your lesson plan mm-hmm. we can say that you do complete these lesson plans for every observation you have a physical form available, right? That's something you have to have. Okay. Something like that. But you also, but also no, but (laughs) you, that was very loud. When it comes to like teaching a subject, like you also have teaching guides. So it, it also takes you lesson by lesson. So, I mean, I could literally take it straight out of there or, you know, I don't know. Like technically, technically are supposed to teach our teachers supposed to have lesson plans daily. Technically, is that what the expectation is? Because in speech, that's the expectation for speech is that you have have lesson plans. And I think the expectation is that we keep them for like 10 years or something. I honestly have no clue. Um, The only time I have ever had to provide a lesson plan is if I have a formal observation, which means that the um, admin is coming in for the full 45 minutes or when we have a superintendent visit. Um, but besides that, I mean, I feel like we've been very lucky. Like no one has ever, you know, taken my lesson plans, um, unless it was for a specific curriculum that they needed. Um, your current present day lesson plans, what, how many pages are they? Like, what do they look like when you do print that um, elusive lesson plan? It looks like uh, I took my teacher's guide and I just scribbled a little bit in it about the extra notes, or it might look like um, my, the book so that it's, I'm reading. Is a teacher's guide within like your text kind of thing? Is that what you're talking about? I have no idea what a teacher's guide is. Is that so like for whatever I'm teaching in math, like the kids will have the workbooks and I have the big book with all of the answers and all the 
it, it might tell you like what you have to say, what you have to, how you have to teach things. It does change from program to program, but a lot of the programs we do use are scripted and it tells oh, you, nice. um, yeah, it tells you exactly what you might need to say. Um, and yeah, it also might look like um, plans that we had created on slides that your grade team might use or your friends that is also a self-contained teacher that already did it last year. So she gave you all of them. And so I feel very lucky that I have all of them. Thank you, Sarah. Or it might look like me taking a book and sticking in post-its where I'm going to ask questions, where I'm going to ask them to turn and talk. Um, but as for writing out specific lesson plans, I have not done that in a very long time. So Sabria, tell us um, what your lesson plans look like. So my lesson plans have similar components to a teacher lesson plan. I would think they have, uh, I, ha I have like a warm up, something that I, I do to target whatever goal I have, like a goal review section where we're constantly, the kids are made aware of what goals that they're working on our materials, the procedures, the objectives. And I also have their annual goals. And then I have on the side, their short-term goals, which I keep, um, data for. So, uh, most of the time, and we'll get into this later, I don't have a lot of the materials and things filled in beforehand, but that will come into play as to why I've created this lesson plan so that I am super effective in having the five minute lesson plan where we just kind of like pull it out on the spot. You know what I mean? So let's get into it. How do we together, we do this together frequently. I think we literally we, do it all I the time. I dare say we are masters at it. We don't even, there's no panic. There's, no. there's nothing. There's just calm. And we are just so good at pulling out a lesson, honestly, in less than five minutes. How we is are. it that we do that? I'm not sure. We're <laughs> just really good. <laughs> and that's the end of our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. What was the question? <laughs> How do we do the five minute lesson plan? Let them know the first component. How do I do it? I make every teachable moment I can. So a lot of times my students just love to talk. Like they love it so much that they don't stop. And maybe they might be telling me about an issue they had over the weekend. So I make that a moment and I say, you know what? Sounds like you're having a problem. How about this? Everybody write about one problem you had over the weekend. Now we're pushing into uh, writing, right? So now everyone's writing about a problem. Then we go one at a time and discuss everyone's problems. Now you're going to speaking and listening. And so you can really incorporate all of these teachable moments into all of your subjects as well, right? So um, we're problem solving, we're tackling SEL and, and now we're, trying to solve everyone's problems in their lives. And this is why I have the nosiest students ever in the world, because we're always doing stuff like this. What's another strategy that you've got for us? Well, I'll be honest, you kind of touched on it a bit already. And the second strategy is knowing your goals. So if that is for, for speech therapists, that's knowing their annual goals. That's something that is, you will always need to know. You will always have to have it readily available to you because if you know those things, then you're able to do it anywhere. Just like, uh, Jess said. So if I have to last minute push in or last minute, a teacher's like, listen, 
I need them to be exposed to this book or this paragraph. Um, I use that with whatever goal I could use it with legit, any goal. It could be a nonfiction about frogs and I could use that to do a compare contrast. I could use that with opinion writing, inferential writing, main idea, summarizing. I mean, I can use it with any goal that the student has. It's not always about following what your lesson plan says and the materials you printed out. It's really just kind of going into that kid's world and making it meaningful. And to do that, you need to know their goals. Same for teachers. Um, you guys have classroom objectives. I'm sure that you guys have to accomplish daily. Same thing. Know those like the back of your hand and the content becomes less important because you can call, you can really tackle anything with real life scenarios and, and what better way to do it than something that's super meaningful to the kids. For example, I feel like, cause I feel like teachers are going to be like, well, I've got to teach this and I've got to teach this. Okay. So let's say you're teaching summarizing. Okay. Summarize what we just did in, in gym today. Um, summarize what happened. Oh, you had a problem in recess. Summarize what happened there. You know, they're starting to use those skills now in their own lives. Maybe you're talking about something that has nothing to do with the Native Americans or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. we're in a Native American unit. Okay. That seems like it's kind of a little bit, you know, not so like you can, okay. Compare that person's life with your life. How is it the mm-hmm. same or different? Now you're comparing and contrasting with it, write something about it. Then, you know, like there's so many ways that you can take the curriculum that you're using to bring it into their own lives. And it also helps them kind of retain a lot of that information as well. Yeah. Why do you think it's, it's the same for teachers and SLPs. I think I see it with teachers a lot too. Um, they get so rigid about the content that they're teaching and is it about the content really, or is it about the outcome? You know, cause we have to follow common core learning standards. So I would think regardless of the content that's being used, as long as they're accomplishing that learning standard, I mean, I think we can loosen up a bit no? So this is kind of like twofold for me because I feel like as a special educator, I can kind of have a little more leniency in doing this. However, as a not special ed teacher or as a teacher that has all these curriculums that I did say a lot of the teacher guides are more scripted. I feel like day one, you follow this day two, you follow this. And it just becomes like, this is what I've got to cover. And I've got to do this. In addition to that, you know, you're also, we're also teaching to a test most years, especially when it comes to upper grade levels. Um, I have to teach a specific amount of things, a specific way in order for these kids to be successful in getting the scores that I need, that they need to get to do well, you know, and in lower grades, they have to meet a lot of milestones as well. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for these teachers to make sure they're teaching every single thing that is told of them, that it's like, it's hard to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. to kind of do more. We'll do more, but it's really but doing it's kind less, of doing less. You know? Yeah, exactly. So Jess, what is the last <laughs> component to the five minute lesson plan that you feel like would be most helpful? I think that you just have to throw out your idea of what a lesson should look like. I think that for most teachers, 
You know, you have a specific way that you think a lesson should look. You know, you have your objective. You have slides for it. Everything looks beautiful. It, you know, you have your your warm up, the thing that grabs the kids in. You have your your guided lesson part. You have the part where they're independently working. You have to kind of like let that be and just do things in the moment. I think that um, when you get rid of that idea, that ideal of what that lesson should look like, it makes it feel more authentic for the child. So Sabria, tell us a little bit about your lesson plans. I know you're very specific in what you like to call your shell of a lesson. So tell us a little bit about it. So my lesson plans, I do call them a shell of a lesson plan. And I'll tell you what they're made up. It's a shell of a name. It's a shell. So they have annual goal, you know, they have all the things that I mentioned before. They have my objectives, procedures, which is essentially what are you doing first, next, then last? What's your plan for the next lesson? I have their annual goals. And then I have the short-term goals that I'm working on within that 30 minute session. I take data there, write notes, things like that. I created a lesson plan that I essentially can reproduce almost every week. So what that means is I'm not lesson planning every day, nor my lesson planning every week. Maybe I'm lesson planning every two to three weeks. And that's because I create my procedures and objectives so that I'm kind of following a pattern every week. And it's turned, it's turned into not that I'm reading this specific book, asking these specific questions that cater to this book. I'm reading a text or a media source. I'm asking these types of questions, whether they're inferential, main idea, summarizing, whatever it is. And I'm following up with the, these, these steps. So I've, I'm creating it so that it's, it's a lesson plan to the goal rather than a lesson plan to the content. So I have lesson plans saved. Yes. But have I, necessarily done planning? No. The only time I'm changing the lesson plan is when I'm scaffolding the goal either up or down, depending on their progress. So if they're making progress, maybe I'll change those procedures and objectives to include less prompting or a more difficult text or, you know, a book instead of a paragraph, things like that. So it allows me to use whatever a school throws at me that day. And it, it'll throw you, it'll throw a lot at you. And that's the point at my first couple of years, I was so stressed whenever a teacher asked me to push in or whenever a teacher gave me a book to use or, you know, whatever may come up. So I kind of created this lesson plan. So that way, when a teacher's like, Hey, can you do this? I'm like, I absolutely can. I absolutely can because the content is not important. My outcomes and goals are what's important. So yeah, that's my shell. And like I said, I'm maybe changing that lesson plan. I don't know, every couple of weeks or so, you know, so it's, it's become that I'm lesson planning once every couple of weeks. I just, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just copy that lesson plan. And I have a Monday lesson plan, a Tuesday lesson plan for my schedule, essentially. And I change it and tweak it as need be, but I am not recreating, reinventing the wheel every week. You will drive yourself insane if you think you are going to lesson plan every day or every week, it's, and if you're doing that, I'm so sorry, because I don't know how you're getting by. What? You cray. If you are, you are, I mean, good on you. I guess if you have the time and energy, but 
I mean, you can, there's your time is better spent doing other things. So, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Did that make sense? So, I mean, in all honesty, I do a lot of similar, I mean, I don't have a shell because (laughs) maybe I don't write a lot of lesson plans down, but, um, yeah. So like if this week I'm like, let's, I'm going to do main idea. Okay. But I'm going to take 10 different texts and continue to ask them, what's the main idea of this? What's the main idea of this? And, you know, and so I don't have to necessarily write down a brand new lesson plan each time, but I can practice that one skill with them and it can transfer over, over and over. But that's kind of how grad school made us look at lesson plans. They were extremely specific and extremely like to the T, what questions are you going to ask with this text? So really you couldn't reduplicate every lesson plan because this question goes only with this book. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I don't know why they would teach you in that way. And and now a lot of those things that are literally in a lesson plan, I could find in a teacher's guide. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 teachers, you guys get like a teacher's guide. So, and like you said, it's kind of scripted and things like that. Um, so that's, I feel like that would be my lesson plan. We don't get that. So that's why I kind of created my own teacher's guide and it's just a lesson plan. Like I said, to the goals, not to the content, you will drive yourself crazy. If you're going to make lesson plans for your content, don't do it. It's, it's just not worth it. So the last thing I want to leave off with, aside from my shell of a lesson plan that has made my life so much easier and so much happier is essentially you have to go into any lesson plan confident. If you're going into a lesson plan, like, "Mm, I'm not really sure I didn't follow this. Oh my gosh. I need to use this book. You're setting yourself up for failure. Wouldn't you agree, Jess? Totally. And the kids can feel it and they know, honestly. Yeah. They smell fear. They'll be all over you. I'm confident no matter what, even when I'm wrong, I'm like, oops. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, now I'm thinking into a lot of the lessons, you know, Sabria and I teach our social skills lessons together. And honestly, they're some of the best fun lessons ever. And when have you and I ever written down a lesson plan for it? Never. We've never, I have have some general things in my shell of a lesson plan. Like recently I just changed, um, I just changed it because we've been working on opinion, sharing our opinions and um, being able to recall opinions for our peers. We've been working on that for a long time. Um, So I've had that shell there for weeks, months. And recently we just changed kind of our our shift in focus. So I changed it to support um, what we're working on now. But again, it's just those general guidelines, but it's not really general because it's specific to the goals and your goals are, that's the beauty of it is your goals are never going to change for this whole year. So you don't have to recreate everything all the time. You just have to be super confident in knowing your kids. And I think that that's why we are able to just pull out anything for a lesson plan. For example, I just walked in the other day, one of our students had a problem something going on at home and we scrapped our lesson plan for the day. And we're like, all right, well, some of their goals are opinions. Other kids are recalling and summarizing. So let's do this. And it was super simple to just incorporate that problem, help that child solve their problem while also working on everybody's individual goals without missing a beat. I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. And, and I think that when we have things like, um, 
administrative observations and things like that, you lose sight of how much you actually know as an educator. You know enough to be able to teach on the fly. You do. And we do it all the time. And I think that those are some of our best lessons, to be honest with you, are the ones that aren't planned. I feel like those lead to the best outcomes because it's meaningful to the kids. So you were talking a lot about that teachers are expected to meet certain things by a certain time. Now, in your pacing calendars for, for our school, is it that they're supposed to meet certain goals by certain times, or is it just you're supposed to finish certain what are you supposed to finish by certain times? So our pacing calendar looks more like, let's say for math, topic one, whatever topic one is adding and subtracting according to our curriculum. Topic one will be done September 1st is September 14th. September 15th, you start the next lesson for unit two. And then it'll tell you like when you're doing 2.1, 2.2, 2.3, 2.4. And then when the test is going to be. Um, with reading, well, my reading looks different than a lot of the other teachers now, but when we used to do it, it would be like, um, the narrative unit is going to be done this to this. And then the first lesson is here. Second lesson is here. Third lesson is here. So, so it's vague. No, cause each lesson they can go into the curriculum and look at exactly what they need to go over, but the pacing calendar will just have each. So I would argue then. The pacing calendar, if you look at it a bit differently, it's, it doesn't have to be about the lessons that you're completing. It's about the goals that kids are supposed to meet. So for narratives, maybe in the first topic, let's say they're supposed to write a paragraph. Is it about the specific book or is it about the paragraph that they have to write? You know what I mean? I feel like if we loosen how, and correct me if I'm wrong, for, at least for speech, but I don't know if it's possible for teachers. If you're teaching how to write a paragraph, what does it matter if you're using the three billy goats and getting that lesson done? Or if you use something else because it's meaningful at that time, you know, I think we stress ourselves out with the minutia of all the little details when you can accomplish the same thing within the same amount of time using something that is maybe more meaningful to you or to the kids. Would you say that that's fair? I would say so. I feel like when it comes to a lot of gen ed teachers, they have to be a little more rigid because this is what the lesson plan gives you and tells you. Um, For a special ed teacher, like when we, I used to do this with the gen ed teachers, like my kids were not on the same level books. So I had a little more flexibility to be like, you know what, I'm just going to pick my own books but I'm going to teach the same thing, right? Um, probably at a little bit of a lower level, but I will also just use which books I feel like will be more meaningful for the kids. Um, but I feel like it's also when you're following a curriculum, it's hard to be able to just look outside of it when you already have the exact lesson plan that you're supposed to be teaching, if that makes sense. No, I, I, it does make sense, but I also think it's just about getting out of your comfort zone too. Because this year when we did SEL, didn't some of the teachers move it into their reading period in order? Mm -hmm. So I would argue, right, that using the content of SEL, you're still able to accomplish the goals of reading, essentially. So, So in doing that, I think teachers are already kind of starting to kind of do that already with other things, which is, which is really cool because I feel like if you become too rigid, that's when you make mistakes. 
that's when you're standing up there and you're looking for your script and you're freaking out about not having everything that you're supposed to be doing. I think if you start off like that as an educator, it's just, it's a great way to get stressed out immediately. So I just wouldn't do it. That's probably why teachers are so stressed out immediately. I agree. I agree. And I think it's also the pressure of, from wherever it comes from is that you have, these are the things that you have to do, you know, like I feel like from higher up above, like not even necessarily our admin that it's even higher than that, that these are the goals that you need to meet. This is, you have to teach every single thing and this is what you have to do. And that's why teachers are the way they are and they have to be a little more rigid. And so it's, you know, teaching is not what, you know, not the fun it used to be. (laughs) I don't, I don't ever remember my, I'll tell you this. I vividly remember elementary school for some reason. I don't have any recollection of middle or high school, but for my elementary school teachers, I'll tell you something. They were not stressed. I had the most fun in elementary school and I feel like my teachers were just so chill. So obviously something's changed a bit because I think we're a lot less chill (laughs) Than we were, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Oh, 30. Wow. You're old. Wow. (laughs) We hope that this helped some new seasoned, anybody educator, maybe this helps anybody out there listening, anybody out there, Um, especially for those of you that are in school now and you're writing these lengthy lesson plans, you know, I think don't throw it out the window because I want you to get a good grade, but you know, think outside of the box when you're starting to think into your, um, into your student teaching placements and whatnot. I remember I used to take those lesson plans and I was like, yeah, this is going to be the best lesson I'm going to do so well, but you know, think outside of the box, think how you can make it easier for yourself. I think, oh my gosh, do you know what I just remembered actually, before we end, do you remember when we got observed on the fly during social skills, you had mentioned that we were doing social skills at whatever time we didn't lesson plan and we weren't sure that they were coming. And then they came in and they thought our lesson was bomb. They had no idea that it was with, it was with another observer. It was with like some higher ups and they came in to observe. So they came in, they observed this lesson that Jess and I had just literally come up with the morning of, and they couldn't stop singing our praises on how amazing and structured and well thought out this lesson plan was. They had no idea because of the shell. I don't even remember that probably because we you blacked it out because you were so, you were very literally pulled it out of our butts that I don't even remember it at all. We did. And they weren't supposed to come in because it was past the time window that they had given us. So we were like, oh, we're in the clear. And then they came in at the end and we were like, and they thought it was great. Couldn't tell the difference. They can't tell the difference. Y'all, if you are confident, they can't tell the difference. It's like, it's like inventing Anna. All you need is confidence and, and it's true. you'll be able to get by with anything. You just it's need confidence. Really and I swear teachers are some of the, not to speak for all teachers, but some of y'all, some teachers are just like some of the least confident people. I'll tell you, I'm not confident in life, but I'm very confident in just pretending I know what I'm saying and doing. That's in interesting. The Isn't it? But you do, but you still get nervous. I get so nervous before. I mean, this is how many years in and I still get so nervous. It is beyond me that you get nervous because you're one of the best teachers I've ever worked with. And it oh my kills gosh, me every me time. You're one of the best teachers I've ever worked with. And when you get nervous, it almost makes me angry because I'm just like, you are kidding me right now. 
that you're and the then one you who come in you're like you were fine i was like don't you want to hear about every single thing that happened I'm you're like, like no because no, it was fine and i'm like no it was great so rude because i know it was great and then i just look at ro and ro's like and i'm like yeah you know, know what it is i think it's like it's also like the a perfectionist thing in everyone i think a lot of teachers are perfectionists they want things to be right and it's hard to do that in a teaching in a teaching realm you know but i think you know y'all you know what you're doing you know what you're doing replay that again you are you the smartest person in doing. the room <laughs> they're two different things but you get you get the idea thank you guys for tuning in to today's podcast on the five minute lesson plan we hope that it helped someone out there and we hope you will tune in to next week's episode which is a good it's i always say this because i always think they're good ones but next well, week duh, we're not going to talk about <laughs> bad things or like lame, boring ones. Next week's episode is a good one. It's about a current topic and it's about what's going on in, is it Flo Rida? Is that mm-hmm. what? There's a lot going on down there in education and in elementary education. There's a lot of new regs being passed currently. And there's a lot of opinions and a lot of red hot opinions. And we are going to give you our perspective on what we think is going on. And we think you'll be surprised by it actually. So it's all about the don't, don't say, say gay. gay. Yeah. Yeah. Do we say it the same time? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not, but we're going to dive into that. We hope you'll tune in next time and we'll see you then. Bye. <laughs> it gets more awkward every time. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>